Welcome to Conservation Unfiltered, a podcast all about the North American model of conservation and your chance to dive into conversations about trends, research, and outdoor activities. It's time to get wild with the 2021 Conservation Media Award-winning host, Jason Creighton. We have somebody within the game commission in the one section who every time he finds a job calls our one board member and we get a cleanup going around it. Uh, we've done habitat projects with the game commission. We do, uh, we have something called our take two program, which is our hunter recruitment uh, tool. And it, it started out as a challenge to take all our members to take two people on a hunting or fishing activity. So. Welcome back to another episode of the Conservation Unfiltered podcast presented by Conserve the Wild. I'm your host, Jason Creighton, and this is episode number 128, talking BHA in PA. In this week's episode, I'm going to be talking with Dawn Rank of the PA chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Dawn has been a board member of the PA chapter of BHA for five years and became the chairman in January of 2022. During this episode, you're going to hear Dawn led us in on the mission of BHA, national level issues of concern, and state level issues of concern. If you've heard of BHA, you know much of the conversation is going to focus around hunting access and Sunday hunting in PA, but he's also going to bring up a point uh, of concern that BHA has and what the position is on redesignating the Delaware Water Gap Recreation Area into a national park. Let's just dive right in. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Appreciate you joining me today, along with guest on the line, Don Rank. Don, how are you doing today? Good. How about yourself? Oh, wonderful. It's nice to uh, virtually meet you here nice. via Zoom. I, I, I uh, always like to talk to like-minded people, people that are interested in the outdoors and conservation. And honestly, if that doesn't explain you, I don't know what else does, seeing that you're the, the chairman of the B PA chapter of BHA. <laughs> So let's just start off real quick, just for anyone that might not know, what is BHA? Okay. Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, we're a national organization. We have chapters in 48 states and three provinces. Uh, like the short answer is we can we work to conserve public lands, waters, and wildlife. That's the, the, the short answer. Uh, the long answer is we work on issues on the state level, it's very grassroots because the problems in, in Pennsylvania are different from the problems in Idaho or New Jersey or whatnot. Um, nationally, we have our, you know, our, our main mission, which is you know, public lands, fair chase, involvement along those, along those lines. Um, it was founded around a campfire in 2012 in, um, I always want to say Oregon, but it was Washington State. <laughs> uh, and it was 12 people that thought the outdoors are great. Like the, we, we love this like backcountry experience and there's no organization that's like an umbrella organization for all. There's very like specific organizations do a lot of the work, but there's no umbrella organization. And right then and there, they decided to found it. And that was kind of the, the beginning of, uh, of backcountry. Yeah. Yeah. And that was actually right around sort of the same time as the whole like uh, anti-public land, like selling public land movement yes. too, right? So it yeah. public land, 
for everyone that doesn't listen when I talk, uh, <laughs> is owned by literally the public of the United yes. States, right? Like we we own it. We all individually own all of it. Um, and there was that threat of it should be given to the states so that they can do with what they want or sold off altogether. Uh, so there was this anti-public land movement federally uh, around that time. So very coincidental uh, and maybe part of what spurred yeah. that aspect of like, we need to protect these lands. Yeah. yeah and you know, nothing, nothing uh, gets people united more than barbarians at the gate. So when you have a threat, <laughs> gets people motivated. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I have to, I can't remember, I can never remember the guy's name, but the representative, I believe from Utah, um, that was like the, the forefront for it, right? Jason um, Chaffee. Yes, that's it. That's the guy. Um, I always have to chuckle yeah. that whenever, you know, because that was, that was the amazing thing about people banding together to be like, mm -hmm. no, no, we love our public lands, we need to keep them, is it wasn't just hunters or anglers or backpackers, it was literally everybody yeah. all got together, said, no, we need to keep these. And whenever there was so much public backlash to it, uh, his bill was a fi finally dead and he withdrew yeah. it. He posted on Instagram a picture of himself in camouflage yeah. on the top of a mountain like, oh, no, no, it, it, I actually love these lands. Like, yeah, I, yeah. you know, like how two-faced can you possibly be? Yeah. But Yeah, and then he didn't run again. Yes, which, <laughs> hey, listen, that two birds, one stone. Yeah, you know? two birds, yeah. one stone. Uh, all right. So BHA's handling, you know, and discussing and trying to protect these public lands, like what are some of the national concerns? Like, obviously, that was a yeah. big national concern back then. What are they yeah. now in 2022? Yeah, well, right now there's 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 a bill coming out of another Utah <laughs> representative, Senator Mike Lee. It's the, the Houses Act. And that wants to it, under the guise of making housing more affordable, uh, it wants to uh, basically put public lands up for sale. Uh, but there's there's a lot of bad things in the bill, such as, you know, first of all, getting rid of public lands. And it doesn't have to go to the, and it's below market rate, and there's really no restrictions on what happens to happen to that public land afterwards. Um, that, that bill came out within the past month, and nationally, we're working on that one. Um, that's, that's, and that's a threat to our public lands. Like the public lands are uniquely American. Like any, the only thing you have to do is have, is get at in them. Like you do not have to be a nobleman. There's not the King's deer. Like it is an equalizer, no matter where you come from, all walks of life, you can, you can enjoy public lands. And, um, that bill in particular is, is a threat to that. And that, that one just came out and that's nationally. Other things we've worked on, oh, like hold on, hold on, hold on. Before Sorry. you move on, I, yeah. I just want to, I just want to, yeah. I want to really paint a picture here for yeah. people that are listening. Yeah. There's a bill to sell public land so that yeah. we can build affordable housing on that land. Yeah. The same public lands that are federally owned yeah. because during the homesteading of the West, these were areas that people who were trying to make something of themselves in a, you know, barring native populations, mm -hmm. uninhabited area of the United States, right? For European settlers, yeah. they determined that these lands were not places you could farm or build a house. Now we want to build houses on those same areas. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. You've, yeah, you've, you've summed that up very well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something's not quite yeah. adding up there, but yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I just want to make sure everyone understands that. Yeah. 
it just doesn't make sense on yeah. the surface, let alone the pieces inside that, that you mentioned that just yeah. don't add up either. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that, that's, that's the big one that just came out that we're working on nationally. Um, we've also with the map lands act, which provides funding to uh, digitally map out public lands so that we can all know where we're going and have access to those public lands. Uh, we supported the CWD Management Act, which is not public lands, but wildlife management and the protection of wildlife. And when you look at all of the money that our state gaming agencies spend on managing CWD, this will provide research and funding for those states, for the state agencies. So you know, money that would come out of hunters' pockets on a state from your game license, we can get some support from the government for it, from the federal government. Yeah. The, yeah, I mean, CWD is a, a hot topic, right? I mean, yeah. it's in a lot of different states now. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, in you know our home state of Pennsylvania, it is yeah. uh, becoming more and more of an issue. Uh, I really see research as the way to go, right? Yes. Um, yeah. You know, sort of manage to try to limit the spread as much as you can until you can hopefully find a way to eliminate it or manage it better. Yes, uh, yeah. would be you know. Uh, the way to go at least in my mind yeah yeah it's right now it's, it's a holding action while we wait for more help <laughs> yeah yeah so okay so let's let's drill down a little bit to pa uh what i mean since you're the chairman of, of yeah. the pa chapter you know i'm sure you have a hand in you um are intimately aware of things that are of concern here in the state. So what are some things that are sort of like the, the big ticket issues that you're, you're, that the group's working on? Um, our, one the biggest thing we work on is trying to get Sunday hunting in Pennsylvania. That is, that's a big one. When we talk about access, like I, I tell people access isn't just a piece of land. Access is also a legislation. So that piece of legislation limits our use to public land. Like you could have, you could expand access to public to, you know, uh, I don't know, 4 million acres of public land just by having Sunday hunting. And that's on an extra day of the week, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's when it comes to Sunday hunting, uh, you know, yeah. and I know there's a lot of traditional people out there, mm -hmm. right? Um, my grandfather's one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, we never hunt on Sundays. Why do you need to hunt now? Yeah. Uh, obviously it, it, it's just a availability issue, right? Um, yeah. you know, I work five days a week during the hunting season. My wife works on Saturdays. If I want to go hunt on a Saturday, I have to find childcare, right. For my yes. son, yeah. someone to watch my son so that I can hunt on, on Saturday. Yeah. Um, if I could hunt on Sunday, yeah. my wife doesn't work on Sunday. I don't work on Sunday. Yeah. Like that is a day that for sure. And that's just a personal anecdote. Yeah. Um, you know, and my way of thinking now at the same time i can use public any public land yeah. on sunday in pennsylvania as long as i'm not hunting yes. right so yeah. i can hike i can mountain bike i can fish yeah. why is it that this blue law for hunting still exists yeah it's it's it, and then it limits like there your anecdotal thing there's so many stories like that and people with kids getting their kids out there it's if you have once, once they get into sports and activities, a lot of things happen on Saturday. So there's their whole hunting season right there. If they have a Sunday, they can get out. I have uh, people who, you know, they, no one, a lot of people don't work five days a week or their schedules change. So they don't, they only have one or two days, one or two days to hunt. Um, 
when we first started working on this, I could tell you if you were for or against Sunday hunting by your age when you came up to me. I automatically knew what you were thinking. As we've worked on this, uh, that that has completely changed. I now have people because they can't get their grandkids out with them. They can't or they need someone to go into the woods with them and people just aren't available. And they're also realizing that that's, you know, we need to engage that next generation of hunters. And and I don't just mean the 12 year olds. They're great. But people in their 20s and 30s who have very busy lives, if we lose them, we're going to that's a big that's a big chunk of, of hunters to lose. And if you look at the age structure that we have, there are our, our hunting age structures much is skewed towards towards the older side. And once we lose them, we need a generation behind them to fill the gap. Because if you don't have that, all the younger hunters are going to come behind and aren't going to have mentors and have anybody to anybody to teach them. And then you really start losing, yeah, you losing your voice, losing your influence. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, I really hate to just boil it down to just straight economics, but yeah. the economics are a big, big part at play too, because yeah. if we don't have as many hunters because there's, they don't have the time to go out, uh, there's less tag sold, there's less money generated for conservation efforts for the state game commission. Yeah. Um, and like that's a, that could be a very real problem. Uh, in any state, let alone Pennsylvania. So yeah. by at least enticing more, and I know, listen, I know what any anti-Sunday hunting person is going to say. If you want to hunt, you're going to find a way to get out yeah. there and do it. Um, but that's just not always, that, that's not true. It's not yeah. always that simple. Um, we need the casual hunters out there to continue to buy their tags, to continue to put dollars towards the state, you know, towards the Pennsylvania Game Commission so that they can then turn around and use those funds to, inc to make the habitat better, to make hunting better, to put, you know, so that there are more, there's more wildlife out there on the landscape for, you know, us to hunt, whether you're yeah. hardcore, you know, 30, 40 days in the field every year or just three or four days in the field. I'll say it's even, it's not just the hunters that benefit from that. Everybody benefits from that. The game commission manages how many non-game species that are you know, everything from the white-tailed deer, but the cardinal in your backyard. Like if you enjoy, if you care anything at all about wildlife, you are the recipient of hundred dollars that, and that helps, um, that helps everybody. Yeah. I think uh, the last, I want to say it was like 430 some species in yeah. Pennsylvania that the game commission has, you know, under their, uh, management plan. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting that you know, what, like maybe a dozen or two dozen species fund pretty much everything for all 400 plus. Absolutely. And you look at those, the Pittman Robertson dollars that come in, um, from, from the hunters. If you look at, you know, the sources, a lot, you know, a big chunk of that comes from shooting sports and, you know, among that, but the matching funds all come from the hunters, from the license sales, and goes into the equation for you know for how many dollars you get from that fund, the number of hunters, square miles, and things like that. So the fewer hunters, the you, you have fewer matching funds, and you have fewer uh, you know, fewer um, licenses that go into that formula. So, so uh, all right, so Sunday hunting that's big. Yeah. I don't want to dwell on it too much that's because right. uh, it, no, that, that's yeah. on me, right? Yeah. I've had uh, Senator Brewster. Um, mm -hmm. and Sandra Laughlin on the podcast yeah. to talk about since those are the uh, co-sponsors for yes. the bill yeah. that is still languishing away in, in the state Senate. But what yeah. else is out there for Pennsylvania that um, people should be aware of? Um, just staying on the hunting side, the um, the analyst license bill, Senate Bill 431, uh, which would 
modernize the system and allow it to be uh, an online or purchase at your where you buy your hunting license. Like the only tag you cannot purchase in that method is the is the uh, the analyst tag. So this would uh, allow the game commission to either sell it online when you get your license or wherever you buy your license and pick it up there. Um, so you can pick up, you know, and go in and get your, your, your regular license, your, and your analyst tag all in one stop. And that is, I explained, I was at rendezvous our, our annual meeting and I was explaining our system to Ryan Callahan from meat eater. And, um, he kind of gave me a quizzical look about the whole system. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Antiquated, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, that, I get, I get quizzical looks about you can't hunt on Sundays and, uh, and, and now that. So. Yeah. And, you know, let, again, let's be clear this, yeah. this um, issue, yeah. right. That BHA is focused on is very similar to Sunday hunting where it's a legislative issue. It's not a, Pennsylvania Game Commission issue. Yes. Um, from what I understand, Pennsylvania Game Commission on both topics are in support, right, um, of being able to make these decisions on their own, uh, but they need the legislative authority to actually make those decisions. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And legislative solutions are much harder to fix than, than regulatory solutions, but yeah. I have to ask uh, because maybe you being on the inside yeah. might know and you don't have to name names but yeah. like what's the argument against modernizing the pink envelope system um uh, it's the county right treasurers the county treasurers are the ones pushing back against it the county treasurers not all of them some of them um actually the lancaster county treasurer which is the biggest one said they would like to get rid of the system but the uh a lot of county treasurers because they get a dollar for every single one of those tags now that's a dollar that comes out of hunters pockets it doesn't go into habitat or anything like that that just goes to the county treasurer um and and this whole system harkens back to when they had analyst allocations via county not the way they have it with wmus and that was they switched that in like the late 80s early 90s i believe that would have um, been who oh, that would have been in the 2000s um because i started hunting in 98 okay. and it was still by county then okay uh, funny story that i hope is, is past the statutes of limitations now um, so <laughs> we can our, edit this right yeah yeah uh if, if i find out later that yeah. uh, uh this is uh, i can still be prosecuted for this uh it, it won't make the cut but um our family uh, our family properties in jefferson county and uh some of the game lands that is not far from our cabin that we would typically hunt doe for um straddles both clarion and jefferson county uh and my father and I, in the early, it was the first year of the early uh, muzzleloader season, we took our flintlocks for a walk and we went way back further than, than we ever had. Um, and we saw a doe, we saw a couple of doe. I actually took a shot and um, missed, which after I missed, I was disappointed, but my dad pointed out that, you know, it would have been a long, long drag back to the truck. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I was like, okay, maybe that wasn't so bad. Turns out it was actually an even more important silver lining to that my doe tag at the time was for Jefferson County. And um, as we were coming back, I just happened to turn back and see that there was a sign that we had just walked past that said, welcome to Clarion County. Uh, <laughs> so if I would have shot that, doe, technically I would have, yeah. you know, been in violation of, yeah. of game laws and shot a doe in the wrong County. Yeah. Um, now with the new WMUs yeah. that that 
area is part of the same WMU, yeah. but just an interesting, yeah. it's it, it just, I feel like that's part of the reason why they changed it, right? Because yeah. that county line went through the middle of the woods. Unless yeah. you knew exactly where you were, which it turned out we didn't, uh, yeah. you'd be hunting in the wrong area. Now it's, you know, by roads or major bodies yeah. of water. It makes it a little easier to identify. Yeah. Uh, but it's probably, um, I'm just guessing here. I bet it's easier to break down for the herd too. What you have, if you have, you know, Dolphin County, which is mostly Harrisburg, but a good chunk of game lands, it's a little different deer deer management if you're just going by county and i do a lot of hunting in dolphin county so i <laughs> that's why i bring that up yeah I, I mean i know like there was there was areas uh, just for from like doe allocation aspect mm -hmm. the, yeah. you know from jefferson to clarion county back then there was a big disparity between how many tags were allocated for those two different counties um but you know where we were specifically because we were so close to the border it didn't make sense to have mm -hmm. that like difference. Right. So yeah. I feel like the, the, a good reason to have those WMUs, it sort of lumped in chunks of land that were very similar in habitat, yeah. similar in deer populations, made it assumingly easier for the biologists to sort of figure out, you know, what to do in each yeah. WMU instead of trying to do it by County, which um, the counties weren't, those lines weren't yeah. drawn based on deer. No, <laughs> I don't know why they wouldn't, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because the deer, the deer were, that sign was for the deer. Yeah. Them know what county yeah. they were in. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So what else are we thinking about with, with PA? What else, what other issues are of concern? Oh, there's a, a proposal about the Delaware water gap, which is not really, it's, well, it's just, there's groups proposing moving the, Del changing the Delaware water gap into a national park. Uh, there's, to be clear, there is no government movement towards this. There's no bill. There's been no discussion from the National Park Service about this, but there is a group, the Sierra Club is a big part of it, to give Delaware Water Gap um, National Park certification or yeah, designation. Uh, and that concerns us because of that's a big chunk of public land that people use for hunting and fishing right now. And we're not anti-national park. Um, and there are, there is hunting in national parks. There, there are some areas where you can hunt in national parks. That's, um, everybody thinks of Yellowstone, you can't hunt in Yellowstone, but there are, I think there's a good chunk of national park land that you can actually hunt on. Um, but there's, even if you did that and had a big chunk of it, you're still losing, a, you're still losing some land. And so our concern, when we put out a position statement and, um, uh, I spoke to Outdoor News about this, uh, that, you know, we do not want to see any public hunting access lost with any change of designation. So um, we're not against the designation per se, but we're against anything that would lose hunting land. And um, there's, we do have a lot of public land in Pennsylvania, but we got a lot of hunters too, and a lot of people. Uh, so we've been, um, as, a, as a Pennsylvania chapter, you know, we've put out a statement um, yeah, concerning this. We've discussed it with um, some other groups. And at the federal level, we have our, um, our Washington people who have been uh, talking to people and sniffing around about, you know, is this any, is this, is there a bill coming out or is it going to be a line item put in an omnibus bill? Uh, which happened with the New River Gorge in West Virginia when that became a designation. Uh, and there was supposed to be a, 
an exchange of land so that there was, if there was any hunting land taken away, it would be replaced by other land. Um, that didn't quite happen all the way, um, but there is still, there still is discussions with it. And actually, um, our people in Washington are working with Senator Manchin in West Virginia about that and, and to have that remedied. So we do have people, you know, in Washington working on that issue for West Virginia, but we don't want to wind up having to work with somebody on that issue. We want to, you know, keep what access we have. Yeah, because I mean, as soon as you lose it, it's hard to get it back, right? Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. The work is going to be harder to try yes. to get that back. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So completely understand that. Uh, I'm assuming that the New Jersey, because the Delaware water yeah. gap sort of yeah. spans into both, it, it's the Delaware River that, yeah. you know, separates its boundary between Pennsylvania yeah. and New Jersey. I'm assuming the New Jersey chapter also is taking a very similar position. Yeah, actually, actually, we had a joint statement. I should have, <laughs> uh, I only took credit, but yeah, New Jersey and I, I work with their chair and we put out a joint statement about this um, because, yeah, that and New Jersey with the access that they have, I mean, that's, yeah, that, that, that's really a threat to them. I mean, so they're, they're very concerned as well. So yeah, don't, yeah. don't feel bad about yeah. uh, taking all the credit. It, it's yeah. New Jersey. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is a Pennsylvania focused episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's backcountry hunters yes. and anglers. Yes. Uh, so what about the fishing side? Is there any concern for in Pennsylvania with fishing? I mean, fishing for the most part seems pretty good here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, it, it's pretty good. It's, you know, there's not a whole lot of like bad bills coming to take your fishing, <laughs> fishing away. Um, but uh, we do work on those issues. We've um, we're in the beginning of a, of a pilot project with the fish commission where we're adopting boat ramps around the area and like our organization adopts them. We're going to be the, the pilot for it. And we just have a whole list of them that were, that were, we haven't, we're, we haven't quite rolled it out yet. But we have all our volunteers lined up and things like that. Um, so we've worked on that. Uh, we look at some of the efforts like there's a there's a clean streams law right now that would that would um, take money from the American Rescue Plan and put it towards um, non point uh, pollution. So if you have um, and I, I had to look this up and learn this myself, if you have a factory that's dumping something into the water, that's point solution. If you have a farm that has runoff going to a stream, that's non point solution. So this would this would help create an ag a fund for agriculture so that it'll help mitigate, help them with better practices and help mitigate non-point solutions. So you have less going into our, less to none going into our our our, our streams and rivers. Um, so we're that one is just in committee or just out of committee um, uh, that that we're supporting that bill um, for uh, for uh, legislation. Um, I'm I'm kind of a policy geek, so I've that's where a lot of my focus came in, and how I've when I've come up through the ranks uh, in, in in BHA, that's kind of what's been my focus. So I kind of will talk way too much about policy stuff. Um, we do have other things besides policy that we do, um, uh, but that just happens to be my uh, my little uh, you know my piece of the world. Well, yeah, you know, as you were yeah. talking about all this different yeah. stuff nationally, yeah. you know, things going on PA, like I'm thinking yeah. th this is a lot of work for a volunteer yeah. position, right? Yeah. So like yeah. what, what drives you? Like yeah. what, what is it about um, the outdoors, about conservation that you're like, you know what, I want to give back, not just a little bit, but I want to yeah. take it all the way to like yeah. state chairman yeah. level. Well, I've, you know, I, I've got, I'm never going to give back as much as I've taken. And like, this is my small part of trying to pay that debt off. I, uh, I grew up in inner city, Philadelphia, like 
if not for my grandfather building a cabin in uh, in Dauphin County in 1938 and keeping it in the family, I might not know what a tree looks like. So I've you know, we have state game lands behind us and across from us up there, and that's where I spent a good portion of my youth, so hunting and fishing. And um, it's been a very important thing for me. Uh, that's you know just from a completely selfish standpoint, I want to keep that going. But I also have two kids, and you know. I want to make sure that's still there for them when I leave this earth. And there's, I mean, and basically, you know, was as Teddy Roosevelt called the American still in the womb of time um, that, you know, I want to be able to know that I at least tried to make a difference. And it kind of, I started out by writing a very angry letter one time and it made me feel good. <laughs> and then um, BHA gave me, BHA just gave me a chance to volunteer and I ran with it. Uh, we had, we had two people keeping the lights on for a chapter for a few years, um, but chapter name only. And we were up to, we had 70 members at the time. And then uh, um, Chris Tennessee, who's our, is a chapter coordinator. A, he's there, the one employee in Pennsylvania. Um, he put out a call to put together a board and like the first 13 people that raised their hand got a job. And so I became secretary. And from there we grew to like 1500 members in like two years. So we've, um, and with that, and it was just a whole bunch of other people that had the same like-minded kind of drive to, to not only keep what we have, but make it better and make sure the next generation has it and the generation after that. Yeah. You mentioned all those volunteers, you know, obviously BHA is more, I, I say obviously because yeah. I know because I'm yeah. one of, one yeah. of these members, right? Yeah. Um, but what is it outside of the legislation that these members in the state of Pennsylvania are being able to do to volunteer, to give back more than just writing their state yeah. senator, mm -hmm. writing their representatives. Yeah. We, we have a few things. We've had, you know, public land clean, we have had cleanup opportunities. Um, we, uh, we had somebody, we have somebody within the game commission in the one section who every time he finds a job calls our one board member and we get a cleanup going around it. Uh, we've done habitat projects with the game commission. We do, uh, we have something called our Take Two program, which is our hunter recruitment uh, tool. And it started out as a challenge to take all our members to take two people on a hunting or fishing activity. So actually hunting or fishing or going to the range, checking trail cameras, scouting, whatever. And it has morphed into a, a mentor program. And our, our one board member, Adam Ackley, has has done a tremendous job growing this. And we have, now we have people throughout the state um, in a, in a, in a community and it's gone everything from deer fishing uh, from deer hunting to ice fishing. So we've had uh, some formal programs uh, where we had, and uh, we've had a uh, last year, it was a fly fishing thing where we had two things online and then a day they went to Copatty state park, went camping and everybody got a chance to learn. You have hands-on fishing and everybody caught a fish. And it was people who some, who like hadn't had no exposure to this before, like didn't know what a fishing license was literally. And then now they're, now they're catching a fish in a fly rod. Um, they're doing their second annual one of those in June. He just, uh, Adam just uh, posted that on our Facebook page. Um, but we also have people who um, on the online community, I'm going scouting this weekend. Who wants to come along? I want to, I want to go to, um, you know, someone's ice fishing and one of our board members, uh, Catherine, who she just basically dropped an onyx point said, I'm going to be ice fishing here on Saturday. Anybody who wants to come out and learn, you're more than welcome. <laughs> Um, I gotta yeah, ask, yeah. where where is ice fishing happening in Pennsylvania? She's from Western PA. 
somewhere. Uh, that's I do not know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It does happen. I've not done it, but it does happen. Like I, I've not been a place. I've I've not been around a place where I'd be comfortable standing on the ice and fishing because I'm southeastern Pennsylvania. But yeah, but people I, are doing it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen. Put put a bow or yeah. a, a rifle in my hands, yeah. um, and you know, put me in some camo in the woods, yeah. and I can sit all day in yeah. cold temperatures, and mm-hmm. that's fine. Uh, for some reason, ice fishing for me yeah. just not appealing at all to sit on a block of ice. <laughs> I've not tried it, but I'm just curious about how good that fish tastes in that cold water. Oh yeah. That's 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 that's, that's really what kind of gets me because I know. Cause I've been, you know, we've, my, my dad and I have gotten, taken a few trips to Canada over the years. It's, it was become a tradition and, and we've, you know, gone in May and we've gone in, in July and August and the pike tastes a lot better in May than they do in August after sitting <laughs> in that warm lake. <laughs> you know, one yeah. of the things that um, has gotten a lot of attention for backcountry mm-hmm. back hunters and anglers are the pint nights. Yes. Uh, so can you just explain a little bit about what is a pint night? What's yeah. the purpose, you know, and why yeah. should people be coming? Yeah. At pint night, we basically take over a bar or restaurant and have uh, a place for our members to get together. And the, the, the theory behind it is if you walk into a room with 100 people, you may have two or three people that hunt and fish and know what you're talking about. If you come to a pint night, everybody knows who you're talking about. Everybody does the same thing. Um, and we've had, you know, people that it's a very welcoming community at BHA. It's very hard to walk into a BHA event. And not walk out knowing somebody. It's very. It's. It's. Uh, I have to say that it's. It's a. I've never. No. I've never had a bad experience with a BHA member. Like as a. a, a, a um, and we're just a. You know, we're a very friendly group. So at these pint nights, people come in and they can get to, to, to meet other hunters, anglers, and not. And we also have members that don't hunt. They just like public lands and being out there, and they you know enjoy those same things. And so it's sharing a story. I've had people become uh, hunting partners out of this and they've just now they're going out west or they're hunting it in pennsylvania uh, and they're setting up trips together um most recently we had one uh, in conjunction with the game commission and um uh, one of the commissioners reached out to me and asked if we could run a pint night around one of their meetings and so we, it was an opportunity for all the game commissioners to meet our members and inter- interact with them and they used it as an opportunity to give an award to john oliver who was the first secretary of the DCNR under the Reg administration. And he's done a ton of work in conservation in public lands, not just in Pennsylvania, but throughout the country. Uh, and he's been a big BHA supporter. And he, um, they gave him a lifetime, the first, and the first John Oliver Lifetime Achievement Award they gave out at our point night. Uh, and it's not an annual thing. It's only if someone's deserve, they find someone deserving it, they're gonna get it. Um, so we've had, you know, point nights like that, where we have, yeah, game commissioners or politicians come and they get to meet our members. And we have very like low key ones where it's just our members hanging out and talking about hunting and fishing. And, you know, I, I want everyone listening to consider if you hear about a pint night happening with yeah. BHA, you really need to consider going because as someone who is squarely in the middle class, who has gone to a number of various conservation banquets, I always feel a little outclassed, right? Because there's the way they, the way these banquet works, banquets work is, you know, there's things that are being auctioned off. Um, Everyone knows who's bidding on them, knows that it's going towards conservation. Uh, So prices get inflated and very quickly, someone like myself gets priced out of anything that you're even remotely interested in. Uh, 
Whereas you go to a pint night and it's like just hanging out with your buddies. You yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. And a lot of them you've never met before, yeah. but when you leave, they're still your buddies. You know? yeah. So um, it's definitely a fun time. It's great to meet new people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, especially if your friends and family are tired of hearing your same old hunting and fishing <laughs> stories, these are new people you can tell them to who are, are going to be interested in the stories. Exactly. My problem is I've gone to so many of them, I have to come up with different stories now. <laughs> <laughs> and that just gives you an excuse to get yeah, out there and, and exactly. make, you know, yeah. have those new experiences. Yeah. So for, for the listeners, uh, they're, let's say they're not a member of BHA yeah. or um, this is their first introduction to them, to the organization. Uh, how do they find out more? How do they become a member? Yeah. Um, who should they reach out to? What, what should they look for? Yeah. Um, the, the website is backcountryhunters.org. That's our national website. Uh, for the Pennsylvania chapter, we have a Facebook page and we have an Instagram account that has that's mostly that's is Pennsylvania focused um, and what's going on with the chapter. Uh, but at the if you go to backcountryhunters.org, you can have links to the chapters. You can find out what we're doing in Pennsylvania, but you can also look at what we're doing in other states as well and provinces and and learn a little more about the organization. Um, I just came back from our annual meeting in Montana. So um, my voice is not quite back to what it was. It was outdoors and it was windy and cold and it was wonderful. <laughs> uh, just for all yeah. of you listening out there, those yeah. links are down yeah. in the episode notes. So uh, go ahead, feel free to click those or just Google Backcountry yeah. Hunters yeah. Angers and, and you're going to find it. Uh, join, you know, it, yeah. it's cheap. Yeah. Uh, I believe $35 for the year. That's correct. Uh, you yeah. get the Backcountry Journal. Uh, a couple times a year, which is uh, has a lot of different issues from around the nation in it. Um, some great articles, some great stories, wonderful pictures. Um, you know, it's worth the thirty-five dollars just for that magazine. Let alone um, being a part of hopefully what is good, positive change, or sometimes not changing uh, for conservation here in our state and the country. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the plug. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, <laughs> yeah. When you, whenever you're yeah. a good organization, it's, yeah. it's easy to, uh, for a member to make that plug. So, uh, you know, Don, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. And, um, hopefully this gets a, you know, a couple more people, especially in Pennsylvania to, I appreciate uh, that. join up and, and volunteer. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I said, I, I, I'm going to one last plug in the, the, the strength of any organization is its members. And we have a great membership, um, but you know, the more members we have, the more we can do. So that's that's that we've we um, we have a really good base right now. And I say, if you go to an event, you will. I don't think you'll be unhappy if you come to any of our events. So spoken yeah. like a true state leader. Yes. <laughs> Thank, thanks. Don. Thank I you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And that'll do it for another episode. I want to thank you for listening. And I, of course, want to thank Dawn for coming on to talk about BHAPA. You know, BHA is an organization that is vitally needed. And I'm proud to say I've been a member for uh, a number of years now. While they work on access and legislative issues in Washington and state legislators all, all over the country, and it is sorely, sorely needed. They also do some great volunteer work as well, locally. You know, picking up trash and uh, doing mentored hunts and, and things like that that is just absolutely awesome. And if you've never been to a BHA meetup, you need to go. 
It is a really, really good time. This isn't uh, your typical, you know, stuffy banquet style meetup. Uh, they're pint nights, uh, typically at, at bars or restaurants, you know, just really awesome get togethers. Uh, and you need to uh, experience one if you haven't yet. That being said, the next episode will be in two weeks and it is going to be about the Elk Expo. Uh, the Elk Expo is August 20th and 21st in wonderful Benazette, Pennsylvania. And I'm going to have some special content coming out during Elk Expo as I will be there. So uh, on the 19th, 20th and 21st of August, you need to be paying attention and refreshing that app uh, wherever it is that you listen uh, to this podcast and uh, you will see episodes each of those three days, uh, maybe even multiple episodes. So keep that in mind and uh, be on the lookout for it. Until next time, get outside, take someone with you, and stay wild. <laughs>